Welcome everyone to our podcast, E-Commerce Made Simple. I'm Jerome, your host, uh, the CEO and founder of E-Commerce, the agency which makes e-commerce simple. In this podcast number five, we have a British citizen which actually lived in Japan for a long time and who will talk to us about how to sell on Amazon Japan. He has a team in Japan and he knows all the intricacies of this huge market for you to understand, okay, what it takes to be successful in Japan. This will be really interesting uh, podcast for anyone who, okay, you know about the US, you know about Europe, then your next move is probably to move into Japan. So you see what it takes to be successful there. The next episode will be on expansion and will be about Brexit. Have a great show. Bye-bye. So welcome everyone. Uh, welcome John. So happy to have you today. It's our first webinar of let's say the, the new season 2020-2021 uh, uh, and it's about Japan uh, today and that's very exciting I think for our audience of how to uh, expand uh, into Amazon in Japan. So we usually start this webinar with a fun fact. I know uh, John you've been rehearsing that part so I, I, you know, I'm excited to hear your, your fun fact to, to get started. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of, a, a, so I, I used to live in Japan, as you know, which is obviously part of the story of this. Um, and obviously some, some of the products that we'd, we'd see there, you know, they cause, if you launch the products in the UK or the US with those English names, it, it'd be a bit weird. So the kind of, there's a few drinks related products that, that, uh, that kind of they sell with English branding on them. Uh, so there's one product. Um, it's a drink, uh, and it's called Calpis. <laughs> so got to be careful how you say it. Yeah, yeah. But it it's not yellow. Fortunately, it's like a a, a white colour. It's more like a yogurty drink. So I don't know. It's, a bit, it's even more concerning, I guess. And then yeah, there's an there's another one, a sports drink called pokari sweat as well so I'd, when when i first moved to japan I'd, i couldn't really speak much japanese and one of my friends told japanese friend he, he said oh yeah pokari that that means animal so he was telling me it was made from animal sweat this sports drink that we used to drink after football so yeah See, it's, a, it's a good it's a good joke to make on, on people yeah well sort of but i mean it, it's kind of got a serious point that you know if the, those brands launched their products in the uk or america then you know they definitely have to do a rebranding exercise and you know we've seen it kind of the other way that you know products uh there was one uh this, you know this is this isn't a joke but by any means this there's a company that sells like breathing uh products and in in the west they would they wouldn't uh, it was called salin plus was their product now in the 90s, there was the sarin gas attacks in Tokyo where lots of people died, the terrorist attacks. So obviously to, to launch a, a product that helps you breathe under that brand name, you know, that would be a terrible thing to do. So they they rebranded it as Halo Plus. You know, they did their homework and made sure that they were, they were doing things properly. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, already, a, already a first point. I know you, you had the other fun facts, but let, let's see if we get to that <laughs> at the end. <laughs> at the end of the discussion yeah um 
so thanks for, for that already first point which is a learning in itself uh fun and a learning um now let's very shortly about yourself uh who you are and what do you do in life and why why are you, why are you an amazon japan expert sure yeah so um the agency we've been going about three years uh there's a, we've got a small team involved native japanese speakers uh, i myself as i touched on i used to live in japan i lived in japan for five years uh basically teaching english and stuff in government schools there which was was good uh, my business partner neil he's been uh selling on amazon private label stuff for sort of seven eight nine years now so that was what what led us to start the business to, he wanted to sell his products in japan and uh yeah, he knew that I lived there, so that's kind of how we got started initially. I, I I helped him sell his products in Japan, and then the agency kind of has has come off the back of that, really. So yeah. Cool. And so, do you, do you help uh, companies sort of uh, expand into Japan? Uh, and do you what do you do? Do you do translation? Do you do uh, uh, what's the bulk of what you do? Yeah. So we most of the stuff is helping brands launch into japan and you know the everybody that we work with knows and understands amazon already you know japan is like the last marketplace that people tend to go to um so you know we're working with kind of experienced amazon sellers uh, in terms of our work the sort of four main areas that we do one is market research so will your product uh, is japan a suitable market for your product secondly if the answer comes back yes then uh, we help them set up their content and brand store pages, you know, all the content side of it, uh, which is, is kind of a, we've got a hybrid way of doing it. So it's not direct word for word translation. You know, we do the keyword research properly and stuff as well, making sure it appeals to Japanese customers. Uh, then thirdly is um, advertising. So, you know, sponsored brands, sponsored products, doing that, setting those up and helping to stay in control of them and optimize them. And then lastly, ongoing account management, so customer support, seller support cases, uh, those you, types of things. Do you handle also advertising for, for, for the customers also in, in Japan and maybe giving some support on understanding how to advertise? Because I, I assume there are a yeah. lot of differences. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, you know, we, we help people set up their campaigns and manage them as well. So yeah, we do that. Okay, and if we start, because some popular people say we should start with why. So why would people want to go in Japan? What What's a, a big why you, you would share with people generally saying, okay, why they should go? Yeah, so I mean, it's a very well, Amazon Japan, it's been going, I think it launched in 99. So it's a very well established marketplace. Um, it's Japan's the third biggest economy in the world, I think. Uh, it's Amazon's fourth largest marketplace after uh, .com Germany and the uk um so you know it's a, it's, it's a really big market and uh you know there's there's less competition in, in some regards for you know i think in the us especially you know a lot of people have kind of know and understand amazon and you get you know people trying to jump on the bandwagon if you like which depending on your product category it can drive prices down to the bottom whereas people are a bit more uh intimidated i guess by japan so that you know you don't get that level of knowledge there so yeah it's we see we see higher prices kind of thing you know brands that we work with tend to sell for a little bit more in japan so it's protecting margins and so so what's a uh, key success factor let's say for, for japan uh because i can see the entry barrier is a bit 
earlier on than in the US because it's very easy to go in the US everybody speaks English and so on I, I get a feeling that the barrier entry is much more about like language cultural stuff and it's much earlier but then it's easier once you've gone you've gone through that is that yes that? yeah sir I think people are intimidated by Japan but it's just a language thing I mean the, the, the culture thing yeah most basically if if your product is good and selling well around the world on Amazon, then fundamentally, I'm sure it'll be absolutely fine to sell on Amazon. You know, there's, there's the odd case where, you know, a product might not fit Japan culturally or whatever, but, um, you know, Christmas trees, for example, you know, you're not, <laughs> if you're selling Christmas trees, probably, you know, don't, don't rush to Japan kind of thing. Cause there's no culture of Christmas and stuff. It's not Christian country. So, you know, but you know, generally speaking, if a product is selling well on Amazon elsewhere, it'll probably do well in Japan too. Okay, um, and uh, I know uh, that some brands uh, we've worked with in the states, for example, they were complaining that a lot of sellers from Japan were going into the U.S. and with very low prices, specifically on the small items, because they could uh, like uh, ship the products from Japan to the U.S. Obviously, the large products had an issue about logistics, but on the small products, and a lot of Americans were complaining about specifically Japanese sellers coming with a lower price. So what I'm hearing from you is actually locally on the market, the prices are probably higher than, than what you would expect or that the competition locally is quite lower than, uh, than you could see from Japanese sellers going to the States. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think you know, the, the competition is... There's a, you know there's a wide range of products but you know it's yeah it's it's not as competitive as we see on the US and the UK in terms of number of sellers yeah yeah mm, okay um and what what do you say so the why is the main reason is okay the market is huge it's a forced market in in the world okay makes sense uh what do you see uh, what are the benefits or what what people would get from it is it sales or is it expansion do you what do you usually say what the benefits are for them well i mean it's it's sort of two three things really one extra sales you know you're not going to be cannibalizing your own market you know people who shop on amazon japan aren't shopping on amazon.com or europe so you know these are entirely new sales for your customers obviously that helps you de-risk your brand you know if you're growing your brand then it adds value to your brand as well uh, and you know it's gonna add money to your to your bottom line as well you know the, these sales in japan that you're bringing in should be profitable obviously you know what it's like you know you might not get instant profits you know there's a bit of investment required to set up your listings and you know you're starting at the bottom of the organic rankings when you first start so you're going to put a bit of money into advertising your products but you know over time it it you know it, it turns into profit so yeah okay and we usually sort of pre-in like amazon specifically in any e-commerce on on four aspects strategic aspect operations uh content and and advertising if you were to go on those four pillars let's say what would you say would be the main uh, issues or challenges specifically to Japan, like on the strategic part, if we start from there, it's like, should your strategy be different than in the other countries or no, actually it's same as everywhere else. Or do you need to tailor it to, to the Japanese market in terms um, of how you approach it, the pricing, this kind of thing? Yeah. So we, 
No, I think you know fundamentally, it, there's, there's what it it's kind of chicken and egg. A br- you know the brands that we talk with, some of them have got their own strong opinions of how things should be done, and they've worked it to that system themselves in other marketplaces. And you know we don't push back too hard in those cases. It's it's fine. Um, you know we our fundamental strategy I like if you like when you launch a product maybe reduce the price a bit to try and the first period is all about trying to gather momentum you know getting eyeballs on the listing and optimizing for conversions uh, mm-hmm. anything you can do to help that in the first phase is is you know it's and I'm sure that's the same as anywhere else in the world you know it's not it's not fundamentally different so yeah you don't you don't have specific tips or ways to get started in Japan. You don't say, okay, start higher because actually the market is is higher in Japan than than you would have in the prices in the US. So you can start higher and just test the waters. Is that something which could make sense for brands just to say, okay, um, you can try to be higher because this market is typically higher than the others. Sure. I mean, that, 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 that would, I mean, that was a different strategy. You sort of testing a different question there. So, I mean, I guess in that case, you sort of testing is, is my product going to be profitable in this marketplace? Um, so you could spend, send a very small batch of products over, spend money on advertising. And if people are willing to buy them at a high price, then that gives you an indication that, you know, you should send more in. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a different strategy, but yeah, certainly one that you could do too. Okay. And on the operations level, like uh, sending stocks. So you, you have seller and vendor central in, in Japan, right? Yeah, there's both. All the, all of our clients are on seller. So okay. the reason behind that is it's, we don't have any contacts as such with the vendor managers. Um, so getting an invite and, and Japan is kind of, you know, it's a different region. You know, they don't talk to each other like they might do in the EU kind of thing. So without that track record on Japan, it's it's kind of tricky to get the vendor invites, which is why we, yeah, we, most of our clients have, have gone in on the okay. seller. And in terms of logistics, do you need to have someone helping you to do the logistics or it's quite easy? You just get the tax registration, URI number, whatever for to import the products and it can be sent to FBA. Is that as simple as that or is it a bit more trickier? Not quite. There's one extra thing that you need. So you need what's called an importer of record, which is somebody in Japan who's kind of acting, has been responsible for your your products and you know this is very much on on the seller central model where the goods remain your goods whilst they're in japan right it's different to if you're actually selling them to amazon uh, so i'm talking about the seller model here yeah um so you need what's called an importer of record which is somebody that is you know acts as being responsible for importing your accepting your goods into japan when they arrive and there's various third-party companies that that offer this as a service but yeah, you definitely need to get that in place before you start sending stock because if you don't have that, it basically gets returned or it, you know, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's creating big problems for you. Yeah, because uh, in in the US, there's a lot of companies offering third party uh, like Prime legible uh, FBM, like the, doing the shipping. In Europe, it's starting, but you don't find a lot is 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 that a kind of service you can find easily in japan no you have like other dealers and you want to have a the, your warehouse not inside fba 
Yes, I mean there are other, there's you know, sort of third-party warehouses that 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 people can use. Um, there's less emphasis on them being, you know, the uh, sell is it seller fulfilled prime kind right, of thing. Yeah. Uh, so we do, we're not really, yeah, we don't we don't really see any of that kind of taking off okay. at the moment. People are still using the FBA centers uh, okay. primarily. And how many centers do you have in just top of your mind? Is it like 20, 10? I think there's nine, I think, okay. off the top of Yeah, right. Gives it gives an idea of, uh, okay. And so when someone is shipping from Europe, he could be having to split his order to different uh, FBA warehouses. What's the habit of, of the system there? Yeah, so, I mean, you you yeah you you submit your inbound shipments and yeah you you get told where they where they go so like if you if if you send in different lines of products then yeah they could be split up but you know you're sending them in bulk to japan and then once they've arrived at the you know customs kind of thing got through customs then at that point they'd be split up and sent to the different locations okay. and that's probably the 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 guy who's doing the you said I forgot the name, but he's the doing the importer of record. Yeah, he would be helping also in this logistics aspect, also. Uh, sometimes, yeah. I mean, it, in some respects, it's just kind of a name on a piece of paper. Okay. So it's, they don't have to physically touch the products if they don't want to. So okay, it's yeah, just it, that they, yeah, they know someone to put in jail if something goes wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, the French people have some experience about. Uh, Japanese jails. Um, uh, so on the operations, I had a question on the vendor side. Is it, uh, I know you have less contacts on the vendor side, but is it easy, like if a company gets an invite or it's, it's a large company, is it easy to find a logistics center which could handle the orders? Because when you're a vendor, obviously you need to be able to uh, deliver every week small quantities. Uh, whereas FBA can send vast quantities. So on the vendor side, is it uh, easy to find a third-party logistics which could help you with Amazon? Is there a lot of people who know about Amazon and can handle it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as I say, Amazon's very well developed over there and the, the big logistics companies can, you know, they're all used to no, dealing with it. So yeah, yeah, okay. there's plenty of people that can help with that. Okay, so if the operation is not a big uh, hassle. It's quite easy to to go around it cool then there's obviously the big bulk of it is a content side uh, so i assume uh, like you said you need to localize your content translate it in a way that makes sense to customers uh, do, you, do you see that as a big issue or is that actually quite simple to overcome um i mean yes it's we've got lots of experience doing it so you know we know we know how to do it quite well now so there are, if you're doing it yourself, you know, make sure that, or you're using somebody else, make sure that they know what they're doing on Amazon. You know, it's not, not necessarily just a case of translating word for word. As I say, Japan has three different alphabets, uh, hiragana, katakana, and kanji. So Very impressive. Uh, potentially three different ways of writing the same word from english so there's you know it's kind of like a big thesaurus kind of thing do you know what i mean like you know you you so um for example the word ha hairbrush hairbrush a hairbrush so i don't need one but hey <laughs> your joke not mine <laughs> so there's the traditional word the kanji word it would be cushy 
Now, there's also like a modern, ver- which is an English variation called hairbrushy, which is like the sort of phonetic translation, but it is very widely used. So if you're going to be selling hairbrushes, then you need to make sure that you've got both variations in your listing. Then you also need to know which is the, the dominant one. So which one should you have in your title kind of thing and which one? Okay, it says you need to know so it's a you really need to know like street talk which which of the words from the different the alphabet or whatever is is mostly used right so you really need people uh on the streets so to speak yeah yeah exactly because if you're not again if 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 say the word if say the hairbrush got you know uh triple the amount of uh, search terms as the traditional word cushy and you're only bidding on cushy then you know you're missing out on three quarters of potential sales so it, it's it's important to kind of cast your net wide at the start and and make sure you've got the different variations in your product listing but all, also you know when you're setting up your ads as well so if we stay on the content that means the seo is very important as on every other amazon uh, platform but it's it's got a level more complexity because you have many words for the same uh, same meaning, and like do you have the other tools like oh, like in many for for the other countries there are tools to find which are the most relevant keywords. You've got Sonar, you've got you've got loads of of tools. Helium Ten, Jungle Scout, of course. Do you, are, are those tools already working on Japan or not the really? Japanese? Not really. No. So there's there's one that we've we use one. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, ASIN seed maybe or something, or that might be wrong. Um, but it, it does keyword uh, lookup on, on a particular product. So you can kind of get a list of all the keywords that it ranks for, for a, a particular ASIN. So you, okay. know, you can do that on competitors' products to see where, what, what words they're using. And is so we, like, yeah, could you find on the Amazon search bar, does that, is it relevant also? Uh, of Because sometimes you start to write a n- name and then if the search bar already pops up with something, normally it means that it's the one which is most searched for. Does that work? Yeah, also? so that, that works the same way. So if, if, you, if you're starting to type something, then it'll, yeah, populate it with what it thinks you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. So does that mean you have a bit more work because you need to test more because you have less data maybe than what uh, typically the other uh, like languages would have? Does that mean you have to test a bit more about like if you, on your ranking? Depending yes, on what I, think, I think you kind of have to te- spread, you know, cast your net a bit broader at the start because there are so many different variations of the keywords that could be successful. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's and the architecture is the same. Like the backend keywords, the two hundred fifty-five bytes is the same. Also in Japan, yes, like the rules are the same. Yeah, I think so. I think it, I think it used to get double in Japan, but that was because uh, Japanese characters are double byte characters rather than Roman oh. alphabet single byte characters. But yeah, it's essentially the same. But you, but yeah, okay, you're getting double, but just because you need double space to write the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Even makes, <laughs> makes sense, but yeah, it's not a big benefit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that 
that's very interesting. Do you have any like uh, fun stories or, or tips or things about the content? Because I believe you, you, like translation topics of wrong translations are always the best uh, stories. Uh, There's always funny. Do you, do you have things about or like tips of what made uh, made it very successful on on a specific kind of product so that we can grasp the complexity of the hairbrushy thing was was quite interesting, but other things where you had the experience with some brands? Um, so we've got, just trying to think of a, a good one. Um, so I guess we, we, we're working with a baby food company and there's like so many different ways to write baby food. Like, you know, could be like, uh, milk replacement type food, pouches, vegetables, snacks kind of thing. So, you know, th this one we've, we've, we've had to cast our net really broadly to, to kind of, and then filter, filter down exactly what, what types of f food within baby food kind of thing to, to hone, really hone in on what, what's been working for them. Um, they've got, they've got quite a broad range of products. So we've, um, we've been kind of, targeting the, the, the baby food as a very generic keyword but that's suitable for them because they've got such a broad range that we can send traffic to their store page and then the customer can see all the different types of food that are available and choose accordingly but for a if that was a, a product you know if it was like a single one or two or three products then obviously that approach wouldn't wouldn't work and we'd have to you know we'd have to be more direct and, and pick our words carefully at the start mm. okay uh, cool makes sense so if we go to our fourth pillar which is advertising um do you have something specific like on the way I, so we've understood that the keywords is a thing so you will have to list probably a lot of keywords to see which are the ones which are getting the most conversion or the most clicks um but is there a way you do advertising differently? Like I'm, I'm thinking about sponsored brands or like things where you can have a slogan or a picture. Is there a way, uh, like culturally, we always feel that the advertising and everything in Asia and Japan and China, it's a bit kitschy. It's a bit it's not very colorful, very, uh, yeah, a bit kitschy. Is that something that like translates on into into a way you're doing it in, in, on Amazon in, in Japan. Uh, so I mean, yeah, we get, we get the same the sponsored brands and you know search advertising works the same way in in Japan as it does everywhere else. Um, in terms of banner advertising and stuff like that, they we do see. So this is something I I've I've not not worked out the answer, but it ties in with what you're saying about you know things being kitschy and stuff. So. In Japan, there's a very big tendency for people to really heavily annotate their images, as in Japanese brands and other sellers that are there already. And, you know, they'll get an image and they'll cover it in text and bright text and it'll be yellow here and red here, green here, and it'll be like, boom, in your face. Now, that's kind of the culture of how advertising is done in Japan. You know, you, you'll get, you'll pick up a flyer in the street or a newspaper advert, you know, with a, a brochure kind of thing for a supermarket. And it's very much in your face, all these bright colors and stuff. And that seems to have transferred onto Amazon. And that's how, you know, some, some sellers write their listings and stuff. 
but kind of talking to friends in japan they they say they don't really like that and they kind of see amazon as being a bit cleaner and crisper and a bit more japanese not, friends not, or British? yeah yeah japanese friends yeah so not not colder but you know crisper and cleaner kind of thing it's it's kind of i think because it's a u.s company it's you know it's ta- they've got their theme and they've taken the system it. is yeah the system is not very flexible also so it's like no. sponsored products you have to take the picture of the product it's only on this that's why i talked about the sponsored brands now you have a sponsored video brands also which is coming up prob- i don't know if it's uh, already working in japan but that's probably where people could have some kitschy stuff uh, yeah no the the sponsored video it's not there yet as far as i'm aware but it is coming soon i think so yeah well it, yeah it's in europe it's starting in europe so it should should come soon yeah um that that's uh that's very interesting what one uh, like saying you 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 see as if a product has got the same asin in japan and in europe or in the us if it's the same asin a picture which is changed in the in japan if it's not localized it will appear everywhere so that's something you have to deal with when you're handling us uh specifically us but also european uh brands that sometimes you have those funny pictures that are indeed with a lot of japanese text which doesn't appear very quality uh as uh, doesn't speak quality to like American or European uh, customers, so you, you, uh, we can see that their habit. Also, for the main pictures, they would put a lot of text on it. Um, mm-hmm. on, on, so that, that's for sure. Um, do, like, do you have any? Uh, is there any recipe for success uh, on advertising, or is it very much like any uh, like Amazon advertising, where you just have to you know test and improve and in uh, focus on the words which are uh, uh, converting or is that do you have any like basic rules which are a bit more specific to to japan no i mean it's the same approach as what what people use you know every everywhere else i think really you know first step is is to try and learn as quickly as you can what your most dominant keywords are your most highly converting keywords so you know you kind of we tend to set up auto campaigns to do that to try and you know cast our net wide sorry i keep using that phrase but you know it's it's that's kind of what we do and then we'll we'll as we see what's working we'll move those into kind of broad and exact match to to hone in and adjust our cost per click so so that more of the budget is going to the reliable keywords that we know are proven to work and then update the listing copy uh you know be that title or bullets to match the best performing keywords making sure that they're in the the title or bullets so it's reinforcing in the customer's head kind of thing i've come here searching for this product and it's matching my my search terms so it's definitely what i want so yeah it's i think i think that's the same as as other markets really it's not Mm. it's just nothing specific yeah. yeah it's just doing it in japanese and so my, my two other questions on, on the advertising side is first, uh, do you have, a, like, is there still a lot of people using English words? Uh, because, for example, in Germany, uh, there's some, some people saying that half of the backend keywords are in English uh, and that a lot of research is done in English uh, because a lot of Eastern right. Europe people are, are going on Amazon Germany specifically. Is that something that you see that Japanese are, but I know that it's not 
if you go to Tokyo, not a lot of people speak English. So I don't know, is that, are they using English words or never? Like, not really, no. I mean, the only time you might use English is in the brand name. So you know, okay. if you're looking for a particular brand, you know, Nike or Adidas or whatever, then they might use it there. But generally speaking, if it's search term stuff, then they'd be searching in Japanese. Okay, and on on the advertising still, uh, we talked about the search advertising. Do they have a, a part for display advertising, like the programmatic side where you can have retargeting campaigns and, and uh, targeting specific audiences and things like that? Is that also working in Japan? Yeah, so they've got DSP, yeah, 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 that's going there. So it's, again, it's similar to um, the rest of the markets. Okay. Yeah, you, you know, it's 10,000 dollar per month budget yeah yeah and and that also has uh, it's as successful or do you have any insight of that because it can be very successful for larger brands in in the other markets it's got the same kind of pool also in, in japan uh, to be honest we we've, we've not really done anything with it um so we you know our most of the companies we've worked with have sort of started small and yeah just concentrated on the sort of search terms and brand ads so far so yeah i don't really have any insight into it yet but yeah the ten thousand yeah dollars per month is a threshold here so you need to make uh, yeah a significant amount of sales to be able to bear that kind of amount yeah yeah i mean it you know we've got we've got one of the brands that we work with spend that a month but they've you know, we put it into search terms rather than DSP at the moment. And then maybe the next stage is where we move on to that. You know, stage one is about making, make, you know, is Japan a good place to sell their products kind of thing. And if once we've achieved that and we've got confidence that it is, that we can increase sales and, and then that's where DSP, I think, comes into it. Mm. Makes sense. So uh, from now on, like uh, anybody wanting to ask, uh, I'm very excited by, by Japan. I've got loads of questions for you, John. But like if anyone has got uh, questions, uh, please feel free to uh, reach out and, and ask uh, the questions uh, you have and we'll, we'll answer or John will answer. I'll, I'll just read the questions out. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is... Um, if you were like, if someone is has uh, got a wide portfolio and say, okay, should I go to Japan? Then what kind of product do you recommend selling? Which ones have got most chances to win on in Japan? Do you have a few tips on that? Yeah, so I'd say the the more the better developed categories would be uh, sort of home homeware that type of thing. Um, sports and outdoors is really strong. Um, cosmetics is strong but there's quite a lot of compliance requirements around that to to be able to sell in japan so that's kind of a double-edged sword it's it's a strong category but you know there's some barriers to entry i'd say the weaker categories are certainly as things stand but the growing clothing is you know not as well developed as it is in in other marketplaces and also grocery food and grocery but um but the, the you know Amazon seems to be putting resources into growing both of those categories. Um, so yeah, watch this space, I guess. <laughs> One question we're having is: uh, Are are they? Uh, I'm, I suppose the customers interested in vitamins and supplements. Vitamin D three. It's a big thing in other markets. What's I know Asian people are very excited by vitamins generally. So is that a thing 
in Japan? Yeah, so we do see a fair amount of supplements for sale on on Amazon. Um, again, it what I said before about the compliance. So there's there's various compliance requirements of of what you well number one to get be able to sell your products in the country. You know the you need to jump through a few hoops for the Ministry of Health kind of thing to make sure your product is fine. And then Amazon are quite restrictive. So I guess this, this, yeah, this is a good point. Amazon are quite restrictive of what you can claim about your products. So, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of health claims that I think there's a lot more freedom in the US and Europe to say various things about a particular product and you don't get that freedom in, in Japan. They're very restrictive about it. So. I, I would uh, I would challenge that. They're, they're beginning very more and more restrictive. <laughs> with, with like They can be very difficult, but yeah. like I, I think Amazon generally is being much more and more sensitive onto what the content is of what people are claiming about their products. Yeah, yeah. but in, in Japan, it's genuinely a level further up okay. or ahead it's you know we not even for, for other types of products you know the certain phrases and words that we find that we can't say that are you know i was quite surprised you know normal you know fairly normal phrases that they seem to be banned from making any claims in in, in on amazon japan and is it to a point where you would say okay i would not attack the Japanese market because it will be very difficult except if you're patient and you've got like resources or do you say no it's still good you you recommend to do so I, I yeah I mean I think if you it wouldn't be top of my list I think you know if, if I'm selling on Amazon uh, in in the UK or Europe I'd you know I yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't make Japan my next marketplace um and I've done some reading about the data behind it and how Japan compares in terms of supplements, and it's it's nowhere near as as popular a category yet as it is in the US and Europe. So, you know, it's not it's not, it's not a no, but it's not like a go for it tomorrow kind yeah, of okay. thing. Yeah. yeah yeah assess maybe the different costs involved okay makes sense uh, we have another question about uh, taxes can we start selling as individual or use our u.s company do we need to register in japan so you can sell as a u.s company you don't need to register in japan okay so. yeah as in like as in europe a u.s company can sell uh, is there any VAT implication such as in, in Europe and also the US with the taxes? So there's, a, there's, a, there's a, th a couple of things to say on this. One is there's a, a two-year limit where as an overseas company, you're not required to file any taxes. So you get two okay. years of kind of selling. Just, you know, you, you pay your taxes at the point of import, but then you don't pay for, on on the stuff that you sell. Um, so that's, two years of, of kind of freedom there. And then there's a threshold of about 80,000 euros, I think, that if you go over that, then you start having to pay, uh, submit your taxes. So What happens? Uh, do they apply VAT on, on products? On yeah. Prices? Yeah, it's yeah sales tax. Kind is, of it, is it, how much is it? It's 10%. Okay, so let's say I'm making 100,000 in Japan, 10% of that is in taxes. 
So I, I get that in my bank account. Do I need to pay it in, in Europe if I'm a European company or just do I keep it in my bank account? Keep it in your bank account, yeah. Cool. So, and then after two years, if I don't reach, let's say I'm making uh, 75,000 euro uh, a year, I still keep it, that 7.5K, I'll, I'll keep it in my bank account. Yeah. Okay. That, that's quite interesting to start with because that's a 10% extra margin, which can be helpful to... Uh, yeah. Now, I think, I think the Japanese tax authorities are going to catch up to what's going on. You know, I guess this, the whole way of selling e-commerce and stuff, it's, you know, it's relatively new in, in the time span that governments operate. So, yeah, I wouldn't imagine it's going to stay like this forever, but that seems to be the current situation. Mm. Okay, we had a question, what was the maximum sales per year? That's the 80,000 euros. Uh, sure, sure. I, I suppose it's a, a conversion of, of yen. So it's probably yeah, yeah, yeah. depending on the conversion rate. Okay, yeah. uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, do, and like if you have to pay, let's say your business makes more than 80,000, great. Do you need to have a, a tax advisor? How does that work? Do you have companies which are doing that? Because... My experience with Japan is that people uh, not speak very good English and, and uh, it's, it's not very easy. Like, is that something which is easy to find? You can find someone who will help you to do that or um, not really? No, it's tricky. I mean, we, we hunted around for ages to find somebody, but I've got somebody on my contacts book that I can introduce you to if you need any help with that. And yeah. You're very helpful, John. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> no problem um that's very good so no questions for now so i'll I'll, uh, I'll go on do you have any um examples of uh, brands you know which did something wrong or things you've learned and you did wrong and you claim or you can claim it's someone else but uh it's like do you have learnings about what typically people do wrong yes uh, uh a few i think um so well one one particular company they'd they'd kind of they'd set up their amazon account themselves in japan and they'd, they'd gone off and, and done it and set up their listings and stuff and then they contacted us one day saying can can we help because they'd sent their products and they'd not arrived at amazon and could we investigate where they were so we investigated for them and it turns out that they'd been uh, they didn't have the importer of record um when they sent their goods to japan so and the, the Japanese customs had tried to contact the people on the invoice, you know, using their invoice contact details and, um, and they couldn't get through. So they destroyed all their products basically. And, uh, so when we stepped in to try and help find what, find out what had happened, we contacted customs and they told us that their products had been destroyed. So that was the end of their particular Amazon japan journey at that point so don't okay. do that don't do that <laughs> hopefully the cost get, of product was not too high get your get your importer of record sorted um in advance for sure okay in terms okay. of i guess products that haven't quite worked out so we we helped a, a company they kind of they sell like shoe dryers kind of thing but they were quite different to a lot of the other shoe dryers on the market and a lot of their success uh, in the US and Europe had come from partnerships and partnering with with kind of um, other companies that sell related products but they were going at it cold from Japan so 
they didn't have those relationships and they were, we were looking to rely on search terms for for them but because their products were so different and the search term volume was quite low that you know basically didn't didn't turn out very good you know there, there wasn't yeah they couldn't generate the sales that they, they were hoping to it's- so the learning here is what is that uh, if your product is not very popular or it's not something which well it's uh, not necessarily about being popular fundamentally it's a good product it's just that nobody's looking for that product on amazon you know a lot of the if you you know using they would the search have to invest a lot to get like people or invest on other search terms which yeah, are well, not related or Exactly. Targeting so you, other yeah. You're trying to catch the buyer's eye when they're buying a related product for something that they're not looking for. So, you know, you, you're probably going to be, it's more of the route to market for that is more sort of Facebook ads kind of thing or some of the digital advertising platform. I think where Amazon is successful is when somebody's looking for a particular product and they've got an idea for what that particular product looks like. They type it in the search bar and it pop the products that they're expecting to see kind of thing and that that's that's where we see the success the successes and yeah if it doesn't kind of fall into that then it's not that your product is bad or won't do well it's just that we need to be a bit broader in in thinking how are we going to get relevant people onto this listing if they're not actually searching for this particular product mm, okay um one thing is uh, i know uh, do you have Amazon Australia? I was hearing about Amazon New Zealand, New Zealand also, uh, or maybe Amazon Australia being able to ship to uh, New Zealand. It's like Amazon is is expanding in the area. Do you feel that things are going to start to make like be a bit more complicated or be a bigger potential of like uh, because when you start in Europe, you can have Pan EU uh, now. The UK is moving out of Pan EU, but you still have like, and it's going into Sweden. It's it's already in, in Holland. Probably Poland, Czech Republic will come. So we can see that it's expanding in terms of potential. Do you see that something? Because um, Australia is obviously very far away from Japan, but do you see that something will come into like in terms of expansion around and become a bigger market or not really? Yeah, so I think there there are you as. Asia seems to have, you know, if you're selling on Singapore, Australia and Japan, then your account is kind of connected at some level on to those three countries. Um, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not going to be like it is in the EU because the regulation requirements are so different. So I can't see it being connected in that way. Just you connected. don't have, yeah, um, warehouses being shared or products being shipped to one not, no, no, not really. It's you know geographically, it's uh, disconnected. It's I mean, it might it might change if they, you know, Singapore, Malaysia type thing, Thailand, maybe you know those countries are kind of more geographically connected. So if they were to branch out into those markets, then you might see something around there. But especially Japan, it's it's an island nation, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. A bit, a bit like the UK, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not too dissimilar. <laughs> um, and in terms of uh, connections between specifically the US and Japan, do you see like those connections uh, growing uh, these days, or not specifically? Like, um, I get the impression sometimes that they're trying to 
they, they always say, okay, growing internationally is very simple. My experience is that it's not so simple, but I, I can see they're trying to bridge things between Japan and US. Did you see any um, things happening there or, uh, or from one side, a lot of brands are worried about uh, trans-border uh, sales and sales coming, coming from Japan and going to the US, vice versa. Uh, but it could be seen as a potential also of being located or strong in the U.S. and being able to go in, in Japan. Do you see anything in that direction or not? Yeah, so um, Amazon are putting more resources into helping people expand overseas, you know, especially through seller. Um, you know, they're making it easier for you to add other regions to your account now. So, you know, it's very easy to add Japan as a new region on, onto a seller account if you're selling in the U.S. or Europe already. Um, they've they've got there's a, a few um, few people that work out of Seattle that are kind of responsible for helping push uh, U.S. sellers into Japan kind of thing as well. There's nobody in the EU yet in that role, but I'm speaking to the um, the reps that work out of Seattle, it seems that they're going to be having a team in Europe as well doing the mm. same thing. So yeah, they're they're very Amazon are are pushing global expansion yeah they do have a pan uh, europe or like a new countries expansion team for sweden uh, and for, for holland they've we've, we've talked with them and they're specifically pushing brands to go in those new markets so i wouldn't be surprised they had a team based in luxembourg also doing the same uh, would, would make sense mm-hmm. um yeah. That's, uh, well, thank you very much. I don't know if there's any other uh, questions from our uh, patient crowd. Um, I think that was very insightful. Uh, if anybody's interested in more information, where can they reach you? Sure. Oh. So we've got website, risingsuncommerce.com, all one word. Um, uh, so yeah, if you go onto that, there's lots of information on there. We've got a seller guide that you can download. Uh, we do we do a, we offer a, a product opportunity report which helps you understand if Japan might be a suitable market for your product um, so if if any of your any people on the webinar want are interested in getting one of those then I'm happy to do one at half price if they mention you know they heard about us on the webinar so they usually cost one hundred and forty nine dollars but we will do one at seventy five for you so yeah, well, it's Rising Sun Commerce, right? RisingSunCommerce.com. Dot com. Yeah. yeah, so I wrote it. I wrote it down in the in the chat box for everyone. Um, well, that's great. Thank you very much, uh, John. Uh, Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me under the hour. So that's great. Very efficient. Well done. And uh, we'll meet everyone in the two weeks for a new webinar. Thanks cool. a lot. Thanks, Jerome. Bye great for now. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.